Are Greg and Maya professional reviewers? Absolutely not. Like amateurs at best, but it's okay because they're funny, smart, and kind of adorable. Bless their hearts. So sit back, relax, and tune into this week's episode of All Cued Up. Hello guys, gals, and non-binary pals. Welcome to All Queued Up, the review podcast tied to streaming service shows. On today's show, we're talking about Halo Season 2, Episode 4, the entirety of the live-action Avatar The Last Airbender adaptation on Netflix, and our discussion topic today is the Borderlands trailer, which came out during this last week. But first, I'm Greg, that's Maya. How's your week been, Maya? Uh, you know, not bad, not bad. Uh, been... Fooling around, uh, doing some hobby stuff. Uh, built my first ever Warhammer miniatures. Um, wow, that's tedious. Uh, and they're tiny compared to what I normally paint. So it's Jesus. definitely going to be a welcome challenge. The uh, fucking Micromax toy, uh, not Micromax, the folks that toy called back in the day. It was like Polly Pocket. Micro Machines? So, no. Oh, well, no. Mighty Max is what it was called. Mighty Max. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll get a picture and, you know, send you uh, next to something that you can see relative size of. I was being facetious um, just because you, you do paint miniatures to begin with, and they're smaller than that. Well, these are like 25 millimeter scale. So they're on a 25 millimeter base. Uh and yeah, they're they're little, so I'll send you a picture. Uh, I'm going to send you a picture, and it's the first look at Bill Skarsgård in the Crow remake. Oh, did that just drop today? It just it just dropped. I'm sending it to you right now. Okay. Yeah, the Crow wow. being Maya's like favorite movie. Everybody, just so you know, so she's going to yeah, be interested yeah. in the remake. Whereas I'm going to be like, okay. <laughs> Yeah, The Crow is my favorite movie of all time. Um, I'm not angry at that. Bill Skarsgård is Eric Draven in the new Crow movie, honey. Look. She's yeah, just was... nodding. Fucking didn't even care. <laughs> I was, was kind of looking at uh, Twitter while you were talking for like a second, and that's, that popped up. I was like, oh, okay. Um, But yeah, damn, those are fucking small as shit, dude. Yeah, yeah, they're literally just over an inch, maybe not even an inch and a half tall. Like the one doesn't have arms on it because it's going to have a flamethrower on a shoulder strap and its other arm reaching out, supporting it and across its body. So I'm going to have to paint it like sub assemblies. But yeah. I wish I could do a scale. I wish I could do a scale of the Mighty Max toy because like they're fucking tiny, teeny tiny. I never messed with those growing up, but there were some, there there were several toy lines back in the day that had little teeny tiny figures that I used to mess around with. And one that comes to mind was called Air Raiders. And it only had one wave of toys that came out in like 87 or 88. And the idea was, you know, air was, the atmosphere was disappearing i can't remember exactly how what have you but there were you know 
there was the good guys and the bad guys, and the bad guys are trying to steal the air from the good guys. And what was crazy is the vehicles, the pilots were only less than an inch tall, but they had swivel joints for arms and legs, and their heads were static. They they couldn't move. But you put them in the vehicles, and the vehicles had these little air pumps, and when you fucking squeezed them or slammed them down or whatever, they would launch fucking missiles like five, ten feet. It was fucking awesome. Really cool designs and <laughs> shit. But you know what's a toy? Sorry, got, uh, this 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 will make you laugh. I didn't mean to get off on the so, tangent of the toy talk there. No, it's fine. I will we'll move we'll move past it in a second here. But you're talking about a toy line that like kind of died very quickly. That didn't really have a long shelf life. There is a toy that I played with when I was a kid in the early '90s. I want to say. I don't remember when exactly. Like, I can look it up because I remember it fucking very well. But it died quick. I think it had like a season and a half, maybe. Um, it was a uh, uh, thing called Barnyard Commandos. I remember Barnyard Commandos. Yeah, we had a bunch of the fucking toys. A whole bunch of them. I had four episodes. They it came out. Four episodes. They came out around the same time as Food Fighters. 1990. Okay. So, yeah. I just, you were talking about a toy line that, you know, kind of died quick and it just reminded me of Barnyard Commandos. I was like, hmm. Yeah, 89 is when the toys came out and 1990 was when the show premiered. And usually if the fucking toy preceded the show, it yeah. didn't last because it didn't have that marketing campaign behind it. And so here's, here's, that's what led to short shelf lives. Here's something funny about that, Maya. It says, uh, on the Wikipedia, two series of Barnyard Commandos were produced, each including several figures from both teams, similar to Mattel's Food Fighters. The figures are non-posable and made of soft, hello plastic, much like squeaky toys. Mm-hmm. That's funny. That is funny. Yeah, we had, we, had, we had a bunch of them, a whole bunch of them, but nobody fucking remembers them because it was so fucking short-lived. I, I remember them very well. Anyway, anyway, the the, the figure they, that you're painting—they just recently brought back Food Fighters. <laughs> Didn't know that. Like, That's funny. Yeah, but yes, the figure that I'm painting. I think it's roughly the same size as a Mighty Max toy, maybe smaller. Maybe. That's what I was trying to do—is get that scale. Because uh, I'm trying the Mighty Max toy size. It's not telling me the fucking size of the toy. Because the way that it worked, that the Polly Pocket and Mighty Max was like, it was like a clamshell sort of thing. You open it up and it had like a whole toy area in it. Oh, yeah. I'm familiar with Polly Pocket. I had little sisters when I was a teenager. So, yeah, I was like, there's, there was a boy version of that. And the toy was the boy version. The problem is with Mighty Max is that the little figures inside, you would get lost so easily. um, Where the Polly Pocket ones were always had everything. I think that's for obvious reasons. But yeah, I'm trying to see if yeah, your if what you're painting, what you the picture you sent me is the same size or if they're bigger or smaller than the Mighty Max ones. But I can't get a fucking I can't get a like a measurement, so fuck it. Oh well. Moving on. But yeah. Uh I was gonna say, but yeah, I got a bunch of custom bases and stuff ready to go um ready to paint 
So I'll probably be doing some painting later today. Um, but uh, gotta definitely do some more figure building because these miniatures, you know, they come on sprues. Uh, and like those characters that I showed you, yeah. the one that's completed, seven parts. Like each <laughs> leg and hip, they join together. Then the torso front and back joins together on top of the hips at the waist. Um, then each arm and then the head. But there are also other add-on options that you can add on. Like you can actually glue on a holstered pistol. You can put grenades on them, etc. Like there's one arm that is molded without the officer's shoulder pad. And you have to put the shoulder pad on separately. Uh, yeah, uh, the parts are fucking tiny, like fucking tiny. But you know, I enjoy painting tiny things, and yeah, I find it very relaxing. Um, not always, you know. Sometimes it can be stressful, and that's when I have to just step back and say, "I got to take a break." Um, there was a youtuber that i watch on occasion she's a mini painter and i'm I'm not a really big fan of her styles of color choices that she uses but you know she is a good painter and i'm I'm interested in what she has to say about certain things so yesterday she put out a video of you know she's like i'm tired of selling the fly she's like it's not always, you know, shiny, happy, fun times, unicorns and rainbows. She's like, I'm going to be honest, I've had a rough year. And she was talking about how she's had two deaths in the family, like really close family members. And the first two months of this year on top of dealing with other things. And she's just had a hard time getting back into hobby. And I was like, you know, I can relate to that because, I mean, it's like I was telling you, I've not left the house in a while. And, you know, I've struggled a little bit here lately with a bit of depression, you know, and it's nothing, it's nothing geared towards home life. You know, I mean, everything with Misty and Madison are great. I love spending time with them. I love being around them, but I'm not with the house in a while. And I just have been in a funk about it. And I get that. So I'm, easing myself back in and I get an idea to do something and I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this and I do it. And I'm like, okay, now I'm going to do this and I do it. But I haven't gone back. I haven't actually sat down and put paint on anything beyond primer. And I've got like 10 fucking custom bases and a shit ton of minis over there sitting in the paint booth, just ready for paint to be slapped on them. And I've, honestly struggled a bit so you know hopefully i can get some paint on some minis today but yeah other than that you know my week's been fine uh how's your week been uh it's been mostly okay i mean there's nothing nothing to write home about i mean i uh i bought the um uh mario versus donkey kong slash remake i mean it's it's mostly a new game but um because I played the original on the uh, on the DS and then the 3DS, and I 
kind of positive that most of that content for the Switch is from that. But I fucking love those games. Like, they're just little fun platformy puzzle games that, you know, don't take a whole lot of brain power and you just kind of chill back and play it. And it's fun. But it's been a lot of that. It's just, uh, um, two games came to Game Pass this last week that, like, I fucking beat within a few hours. Um, and that's, uh, well, 100% at fucking Bluey. So there's that. Um, like literally took me three hours to 100% that game, which is hilarious. But, uh, and then, um, and then I played a new one called return to grace. It's this, uh, first person, first person, first person puzzle ish game. And I say ish because there's no really hard puzzles. They're all pretty easy, but it's this interesting story about in the distant future. When I say distant, I'm talking like a couple thousand years in the future. Humans next, have colonized. Next Sunday AD. Next Sunday AD. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I was like, I it's a mystery science reference. theater 3000 reference in the not too distant future. Next oh. <laughs> I was like, I was like, I don't know what she's talking about. Um, uh, when I yeah, when I say in the dis, I'm talking about a couple thousand years, maybe. But humans have colonized a lot of planets in the solar system, including the moons of Jupiter. One of them being Ganymede. And you're a, you're an explorer, or you're somebody that is trying to collect as much information as you can from past human colonies. And there's a there's a uh, a facility, if you will, on Ganymede that um, uh, the AI system called Grace has shut down. And so as you explore the base and you solve little puzzles, you unlock more of this AI construct that it will talk to you on your little wrist piece. And the way that it does that is like you get one called Logic, and then you take a part of Logic and make Compassion. Or no, empathy is the name of it, is empathy. And then you're like, what if we combine empathy and logic together and you get this other thing? And so you get a whole bunch of AIs on your, on your wrist and then they start like, like they have their own personalities. And then uh, um, it turns out that Grace was an AI construct herself and that the, the, the AI pieces you have on your wrist are just pieces of her. Hmm. Um, really interesting sci-fi story kind of starts a little slow and then picks up, but like you can complete the story in a couple hours. And the reason they do this is because there's multiple endings to the game based on your choice. What was the name of it again? Return to grace. Return to grace. There's no enemies. There's no things to fight against. You just kind of play the game. So Hmm. yeah, I recommend that one. If, uh, if you really want to just have a chill, chill moment with some puzzles, but I am excited. Uh, Final Fantasy Rebirth drops tomorrow. I was going to say, do you have that reserved? I do. I've had it on pre-order for months, and it shipped this morning, so it should be here tomorrow. Nice. I can't play it yet. Then again, to be honest with you, if I had a PS5 right now, I'd be pl- I'd be trying to play fucking Helldivers two. <laughs> Yeah, they're never going to get those servers fixed in a 
Oh, they they are. Well, it's not fixed. Well, not not fixed. Expanded. They did. They got them expanded. It was uh, oh, they four, did. Yeah, it was four fifty, four fifty k. Now it's seven hundred k. So it's getting there. But oh, okay. They still. I worry that you know, for their sake, that they expand them even further before interest dies out. Right. Well, one of the clever things that the the studio that's doing Helldivers is trying to implement, and they've implemented the game, is that there's a whole nother enemy type that exists within the Helldivers universe. They're they're in the the first game, and um, when time is right, I don't know when exactly they're going to introduce the introduce those to the galaxy. They want to okay. increase they want to increase the the level cap, which is currently a fifty. They want to create worlds where there's both like bugs and terminids. Or no, sorry, terminids and which are the bugs and the robots, or like a combination of things. Like they even have a fourth one that they want to introduce eventually. So they have a huge roadmap to to make the game last longer. The the issue, like you said, is increasing those server types. And I honestly think that making some kind of deal with Xbox would benefit them greatly too kind of have a, a, a hodgepodge world where PlayStation, like, you know, letting everybody play together because the game is not PvP, PvP at all. It's all PvE. And, uh, like, there's a joke on TikTok right now that's that that's so funny is that um, Xbox players are the reserves and that, that the Super Earth needs to release the reserves is the joke. So, you know, we talked about how it's reminiscent of Starship Troopers, but it's also reminiscent of like Warhammer in a way. A hundred percent. One hundred percent. Somebody made a joke regarding the game, like because the satire is so fucking in your face with with the Hell, hell Divers that um, so, like it was like the writers basically looked at uh, Starship Troopers and Warhammer 40K and said, nah, this is too subtle. <laughs> I was like, yeah, like, like that's a great joke because that's a hundred percent accurate, you know. Well, then I mean, you... you know, there's there's like twenty f- different fucking factions of space marines, and that doesn't even right. take into account like the various sub chapters of each faction. Tr- trust me, but... I, I uh, yeah, no, because I got interested and in, I was like, Warhammer Forty K is really popular. I'm gonna check it out, and like, I opened a page to see how much stuff was there, and I went, okay, well, maybe later. <laughs> Maybe some other time. Well, I got my first box of Space Marines, and there's a chapter that I'm going to build that I'm going to create, uh, the Salamanders. And they are basically noble. Uh, like, they are empathetic and kind and, you know, do everything they can to protect humanity. And self-preservation is not at the forefront of their consciousness. They're black. And they also, you know, hail from a volcanic planet called Nocturne, and they wear, like, the the leathery hides of fucking dragons. And, yeah, I'm like, shit's right up my alley. <clears throat> oh, I'm sure I so, fucking love it, too. It just It's just overwhelming. Oh, it's absolutely overwhelming. But, but I also love the demon characters, and I love the fucking oh, dude, uh, like the Tyranid swarms that fucking they have some incredible characters. So I picked up a 
Tyranid model. I picked up a demon model, and I want to paint those up because they just look badass. I don't you know, know if it was I just last... want to paint Marines because, you know, I just have something to display them on on the shelf. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't know if it was 2023 or 2022, but you were in, like, a couple painting contests, and some of those people took, like, a fucking bunch of 40 Hammer uh, 40K stuff and, like, painted it up, and I was like, damn, that shit looks fucking rad. Like, I would mm-hmm. love to get into this franchise, and then, like, it's just... God damn, like, I, I, I want to look into if there's some books, like some novels that kind of explain the world. There are tons. There are right. tons of books and novels yeah, that they've I know written this is... over the past 30 fucking years. I'll say this much. Maya and I are still, like, we're fucking super new to, to Warhammer, so. Exactly. I, I, uh, if there's any listeners that know Warhammer 40K really, really, really well, and can recommend some novels for us to get into or something for us to get into to be introduced into the world a little bit better. Um, let us know. Drop us a line. Uh, yes, I'll, yes. Please put that in the comments, what you yes. would recommend us read. Hell, if, if you just want to go to our socials too to do that, please, because I'd like to get into this world. It's just like I, I – oh. And you know what I discovered last night? What's that? Well, you're familiar with that game, and I think we both have it on Steam, Tabletop Simulator? Yes. My laptop can't run it, but yes. Okay. Well, we could play it for free since we have Tabletop Simulator. There are files Mm. and mods that you can download into Tabletop Simulator on the PC and just download every fucking character model vehicle faction maps everything we could play it for free i still think to uh, this to it's this really day. complicated and complex to do it on that <laughs> but it well, i mean that's fine for us to play one of the coolest things that i i like it's kind of it's so cool looking it's on my bucket list but um for i don't remember which it might just be a pc one but uh, they have VR tabletop simulator, and I've watched people be around a table playing D and D, or um, they were playing uh, uh, Masquerade, Vampire Masquerade, or what the fuck it is. Um, oh yeah, tabletop, but in tabletop simulator via VR, and I was like, damn, that looks fucking dude. Oh, that looks dope. But you'd have to have a VR, so there's that. But anyway, yeah. So let's, let's go I can't move on. Do VR motion sickness. Uh, it depends. Um, I think if you're just sitting down and you're using the VR goggles to look at a digital space, you'll, you'll, you'll be fine. Um, but if you are like, there's a game that I tried to play, uh, which is, um, something to do with Darth Vader and whatnot, but it's, uh, it's a lot of moving around and you're moving the character. Like you're kind of clicking in a spot for the character to move that movement. Every single time is discombobulated. Every single time. Because you're just kind of like, where the fuck am I? Let me get my bearings and then you can move on. Other VR games that I've played where, you, where you're you able to move the character like you're holding a joystick, that yeah. can also be discombobulating because you're still not moving, right? But you're still able to look around like it's your head. So that's that can be a little bit of an issue. Um, there was one that got me actually sick, and that was like this PSVR um demo where you're jumping from asteroid to asteroid but you're like 
you're not just jumping on the top of asteroids. You're just kind of going from one asteroid to another with V with geograph. So it's like, sometimes you're upside down. Sometimes you're on your side. Like I was just like, well, I can't fucking, I'm going to throw up. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, VR games that I think are really, really fucking cool are ones where like there was a two player one where there's the person who's in VR and do you remember um it was an old P- it was an old NES game that you could play with Rob the Robot where one person gyroscope contr- yeah yeah it's like it's like that but for, for VR so you have one person that's looking over the map and then another person who's playing a character on the ground and the person that's on the ground is, does not have a VR like that shit is fucking rad as fuck to me but I don't know. VR is interesting. VR is very interesting. And I think that there's a lot of applications that a lot of people can use without getting sick. But not um, to change the subject. Misty just showed me a fucking map of the radar. And in about an hour, we are going to get hammered with heavy storms. Well, let's finish this up in case you guys lose power. Yeah, because that's the thing. We may lose power. So if I go suddenly silent, that's what happened. Right. So let's go ahead and move on. So let's talk about the Borderlands trailer. That was our discussion topic. Um, I don't have a problem with it, personally. No, I don't either. Like With the exception of I'm just not a fan of Jack Black. That's a you thing. he's fine. Yeah, that's yeah. a me thing. The trailer itself looked great. I've seen a lot of people complain about it because they're like, it doesn't have to have these stars and yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, y'all are missing the fucking point. An adaptation, and I, I'll say this until the fucking day I day, does not have to be one-to-one to the fucking source material. And we'll, no. like, and the two fucking things we're reviewing, I have extensive knowledge as, uh, in the source material. So take my word for this. What needs to be there is the spirit. What's the spirit of the source material, Right. Is it something that needs to be... I'll give you an example, Maya. Is the spirit of Thor Ragnarok the same spirit that exists in Thor comics? Uh, Not really. Depends on the era. That's true. It does depend on the era. So maybe that's not the best analogy. Um, uh, If you change the spirit of the, of the object itself, of the thing itself, you're going to lose... You're going to lose your audience. I think this is why uh, the Karate Kid show uh, Cobra Kai does so well. Whereas my idea of what I'd want to see wouldn't work. The fan base wouldn't have latched onto it. Wouldn't have been. It wouldn't have been fun for them. For me, I, like I said, I always find Karate Kid to be a very silly franchise to begin with. So that's why I wanted to see it be a silly show, kind of like dodgeball, if you will, a little bit. But I know that it's not going to be that way. And it shouldn't yeah. be that way. It shouldn't be that way primarily because um, it goes against the spirit of the source material. A, a, a classic example that I like to use is you've, you've seen some of the old 1984 Transformers cartoons. Of course. Um, some of them, very good. A lot of them, very not so good. Um, usually the ones that I make the argument, the ones that are good are the ones that have uh, multi-part episodes, you know, like movie-length episodes that have been split up, you know. But anyway, I digress. Uh, 
the characterization in those is vastly different from what we were given in the live action movies that started in 2007. Now they've kind of started moving towards a more classic characterization in the past two entries of the franchise, but that spirit is different from one iteration to the next. Uh, in that regard, like the spirit of the 84 stuff just feels so different from the spirit of the 80 or the live action stuff, you know, but I think as long as they're true to the characterization, uh, you know, the characterization can even be adjusted if, if need be for the story. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like my favorite, my favorite turtles, Raphael, but Raphael in the latest Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cartoon that I haven't watched is vastly different from traditional iterations of Raphael, is he not? Uh, which cartoon are you talking about? Oh, the movie? The No, no, not the movie. The the tune that came out before the movie, the one that I have a real problem with the animation style. Oh, Rise, past it. Rise of the TMNT. Yeah, Rise of the TMNT. Sorry, see, I don't the name of it. I don't agree with that assessment on Raphael. He's still a hothead. Like, mm-hmm. so my okay. favorite, like, I think the version of Raphael or the version of the Turtles, I should say, as a whole, best comes from the first movie. I oh, say this. God, yes. I say this primarily because there's the comic book, which is super fucking dark. The Turtles are there's just four turtles, and they have four mm-hmm. different weapons. That's it. There's no characterization between them that's different. That really, really isn't. And uh, even Peter and Kevin have been like, yeah, they just kind of were like four ninjas. Um, the yeah, cartoon the cartoon that came up next was definitely made for a very young audience. And they wanted it was to- made for seven-year-olds, they've said. <laughs> right. So here's the, here's the thing that's important. Both the original comic and that cartoon, not great. I hate to put it that way, people. They're not great. The best version that we had was the one that took the two of them and made it into something more cohesive. And that's the first movie. And what makes that Mm -hmm. so good, what makes that so fun is that Raphael was still a bit of a hothead in the cartoon, but not in the comic. So they took that idea and it lashed it on to Raphael. Same with every other turtle. And so to me, the spirit of the turtles comes from that first movie. That version of each of the boys and April has been passed down to each version of the cartoons. So yeah. in rise, of but the TNT, have been changed for the times to adapt to the story that they're telling in the current setting for whatever story yeah. they're telling. Yeah. Like, like at this point when you're talking about spirit and, and whatnot with the turtles, Donnie's a fucking tech guy. Mikey's the party dude. Raph is the hothead. Raph's a hothead and Leo's the leader. That's it. That's all you fucking need. And every version of the Turtles since that first movie has done that with the Turtles. Even Rise of the Team and T. So. Uh, I know you're going yeah, animation, back, but... Back to, back to Borderlands, though. Well, that's, that's what... translates. Yeah. 
Because that's that's the thing about like a lot of people are sitting there hating on this trailer because Kate Blanchett's way older than Lilith in the games, or that uh, fucking uh, late Jamie Lee Curtis is is like she's not a good Tannis because Tannis isn't that fucking old or whatever fucking bullshit they want to throw out there. Watch that trailer with the spirit of what makes Borderlands Borderlands, right? What is the key component to those games? The fucking comedy. That's the biggest thing with Borderlands. It's funny. Period. Um, and then what's the second component? Especially when you got little dwarf psychos running at you and you hit them with a rocket launcher and they scream and go flying into the parts. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, like... Um, and Claptrap. I mean, shit. I think Jack Black nailed fucking Claptrap's personality. Oh, he does. I'm At just, least for the trailer, you know. Say. Yeah, he seemed to. Uh, I just am not. I recognize he is an incredibly talented singer, songwriter, and musician. Incredibly talented. And as a companion in a cast, I find him tolerable and even amusing at times. But as a lead, I've never found him funny as a lead. I've like, but you know, I'm willing. I'm going to watch this movie, uh, you know, because I'm a big fan of the Borderlands franchise. I have most of the games. I've not even I've not played most of the games, but I still own most of the games. The only, uh, but, the only Borderlands game I haven't finished is, and I just had a really hard time getting into it. Was the um, the newest Tiny Tina one the uh, it's a D and D parody one. Yeah, yeah. It's the only one I haven't finished. Because um, don't get me wrong, like Borderlands Two, that's peak Borderlands right there, one hundred percent. It's got the best story. It's got the best characters. I just, I that's my favorite one. Um, and then like I need to finish that one. I finished the first one, and I was just like, that's it. Well, that's the problem with the first one, right? Is that. What a lot of people don't get about Borderlands, and I'm going to go on a little bit of tangent about Borderlands here. Um, the original trailer that came out in 2008, when they showed it at E3, was this very grounded, dark, Mad Maxian type of game. That was the idea. Yeah. But it was still had that mechanic of like a bunch of, a ton of fucking guns based on, mm-hmm. you know, like in the way that works, if you look into it, it's just different elements to guns that are randomized and you get a different gun every time you pick it up. It's great. That's what makes the game fun is you never know what the fuck you're going to get with randomized guns. Um, but uh, but that was the component. When that trailer came out and it got damn near zero fucking buzz, they went back to the drawing board. They're like, what can we do to make this game distinct? So they changed the art style to a, um, uh, what do you call that? Cell-shaded, Cell-shaded. look. And... Uh, and then tried to rewrite certain parts of it to be way more funny. They added Claptrap. He originally wasn't even a fucking character in the game. Claptrap was added after that first trailer premiered. Huh. And, oh yeah, because they were like, we got to add something that's a bit silly. It's That makes it funnier. And so that's what they did. They added in um, uh, Scooter. Um, Take a ride! Catch, mm-hmm. ca- catch a ride, sir. Oh, yeah. catch a ride. Sorry. Catch a ride. Been a while since I played. Have you ever played the Telltale game? No, but I have it. 
Ooh, do it. It's the it's like I'll put this here's my hierarchy of fucking Borderlands games. Borderlands two, Borderlands Telltale game, uh, which is Tales from the Borderlands. Tales from the Borderlands. Um uh then it's one, then three, then the pre sequel. Okay. Um That's I, that's that's your opinion of the from best to the least best. Well yeah, because like Borderlands two is the best because it has such it has easily one of the best stories. Uh Tales from the Borderlands is, is has this very similar vibe in terms of comedy and, and whatnot. It's it's great. Um Borderlands one is great because it kind of introduces you to the world. It's a lot of mm-hmm. fun. Yeah, its ending is a bit of a fart in the wind, but um it's a great game. Uh, and then three is under that because three story is not super well written and it has like very annoying bad guys. Like handsome Jack is a hilarious bad guy. Right. Yeah. Um, and I don't remember the bad guy in the, the bad, bad guy's name in the first game. I don't think there was like, there was a primary bad guy, but we don't meet him until way later. Um, yeah. I, it's been so long since I played it. I couldn't tell you. Also, I played that entire game with my ex-girlfriend, so it has a bit of a sour taste to it, but um, I can recognize it for what it is, and it's good. Uh, but yeah, like they're two, they're two social media like people, and so a lot of their dialogue is social media-esque, and it's just like it feels off-putting, and it, I don't know. Um, and then uh, the guns are fun in the game. The gameplay is fine, but it's Borderlands. And then the pre-sequel is the worst because... Um, it tries to tell the story of Handsome Jack coming to Rise of Hyperion, uh, mm-hmm. but the mechanic in the game is air. So you have to find these bubbles of air to replenish your oxygen and then make it to the next. So you're just going from bubble to bubble the whole fucking game. I'm like, ugh. Yeah, yeah it's not fun. sound fun. No, it's not. But uh, I digress. Um the spirit of the games is comedy and guns. Comedy and guns. If you didn't get that from the trailer, I don't know what the fuck to tell you. Also, the, tr- the, the this movie is a hodgepodge of all three Borderlands games. Like, that's, yeah. not, that's not tiny Tina. That's adult Tina, very clearly. And if you play three and you've met adult Tina, she has a, different, a bit of a different... She's still a little crazy, but she has a bit of a different vibe than tiny Tina. Still voiced by Ashley uh, uh, Ashley Johnson. Not Johnson. Um, uh, The girl that also voices fucking Aloy. Ashley Johnson? It's not Johnson. Johnson's not her last name. Hang on. I'm going to look it up while I'm talking. Hold Um, on. I'm looking it up. Yeah. It's killing me because she was also in an entire series of... Ashley Birch. Birch. Birch, Ashley Birch, because her brother Anthony Birch wrote the second game. And oh, he, cool! Yeah, he 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 didn't want to write any more Borderlands because he was like, it's extremely stressful to write a whole video game. Like I bet. Oh yeah, I can't imagine. Yeah, so he just kind of like he backed out, but he he really he he did like how they wrote um, the pre sequel because the story to the pre sequel is fine. It's just the gameplay that sucks. Um. He loves the fucking Telltale one, and he says three is all right. And I'm like, yeah, that's how I feel. Um, but uh, there's, a, there's a couple shots in the fucking trailer that I think are fun. Yes, is the characterization of Roland 
different? Sure. But who cares? Like, why is that? Why, why is why is Kevin Hart playing Roland such a bad fucking thing for you? He's still Kevin Hart's characterization and everything character Kevin Hart does is he is the straight man. I hate to break it to you, but so was Roland in the games. Roland has always been the straight man. Is he the folly of some jokes? Not really, but he's still a straight man. Lilith is there for one fucking thing. And she hates the planet of Pandora. I don't fucking same thing. Tannis is a fucking tech head. Guess what? That's what I fucking see in the movie. Like the only character that I would like to get a little bit more, you know, time with is Krieg. Cause my favorite thing about Krieg is that he, cause the way that, that, that psychos work with borderlands is that exposure to, um, uh, can't remember the name of the purple fucking rock or crystal that is on the planet Pandora, but it causes if, if not properly taken care of, it can cause you to kind of go insane. So the planet, that's what that the planet basically causes psychos. And the way that psychos work is that the person that was originally in, like in control of that body is like stuck inside the brain of the psycho. And then the psycho, you know, does things. So Krieg is in that same category, but, there's still a level of control with the original person for that body. So if you've ever seen the opening cutscene from Borderlands two with the character of Krieg, cause he's a DLC mm-hmm. character to fucking begin with. Um, he, uh, there's a voice in his head. That's just like, that's a siren right there. She's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Her eyes or no, it's like her hair's as blue as the sea in the sky, and she's gorgeous. Tell her, tell her that you love her. And then Creed goes like, "Poop bicycle built for two! And it's like that dynamic is fucking hilarious. Um, hmm. uh, it's. It's genuinely funny to deal with 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 Krieg. It really is. We haven't seen that characterization with Krieg because the trailer doesn't show it. Will we? I don't know. You know, I, I don't know. We might. Who well, I mean, knows? Eli Roth is, you know, he's the director. Here's and... the thing. Yeah. Right, writers 4 that work at 2K, the writers 4 Borderlands, are consultants on the script that they wrote for this movie. Randy, uh, um, what can they say? Something Ferd. Uh, the head Randy guy at Gearbox. Ferd. It's uh, Randy Ferd. The main guy at Gearbox. God damn it. Um, anyway, Gearbox and the writers of the games and everybody that's been involved has is has a Randy Pitchford. Pitchford, thank you. They're all involved with this movie in some way fashion or form. You know, people are just like, "Well, I'd rather have actors that we don't know." And I'm like, "I don't fucking care." I just uh it's frustrating, man. I I want I think the movie's going to be good. But anyway, I, I'm done ranting. You're fun. I I, you know, we watched the trailer uh, 
when it dropped last week, Misty and I are both excited for it. We're gonna we're gonna go see the movie. It looks fun. Hell, I think Madison even laughed at the trailer. You know, claptrap shitting out the bullet casings. I showed my mom some clips from the games of claptrap, and she was like, "Oh, this is that. This is the little robot we're getting." I was like, "Oh yeah." I actually have. Uh, well, you know, I I, I collect the uh, Mega Constructs He Man line. And I also have a few offshoot Mega Constructs characters, and one of them is Claptrap, and one of them's a Psycho, one of them's uh, a, a Blue Claptrap. Um, <clears throat> you know, so they they did some releases of Borderlands characters, and I wish they did more Borderlands stuff. But you know, I do have a little little tiny Claptrap on over there. <laughs> I think a long time ago I was making like little paper statues and I like made a, um, a companion cube from portal and a little, uh, a big daddy from Bioshock, but I also made a claptrap. That's awesome. They're gone now. I mean, they're made out of fucking paper. So, but, but yeah, we over here at all queued up are excited about Borderlands movie. looking forward. To yeah. It. Will it be a masterpiece? Probably not. No. <laughs> but will it be fun? It looks promising. Yeah, exactly. Well, let's go ahead and uh, move on to Halo Episode 4. Uh, yeah, this episode was titled Reach. <laughs> um, it opens up with a shot of Vanek climbing a ladder to a rooftop. And he's feeding some birds and talking to the birds. And he named them like... Lenny, Kenny, Benny, and I don't remember the other one, but it didn't fit the rhyming scheme, uh, which was amusing. Uh, but then uh, we, you know, it coincides with as he's up there feeding the birds, we see the explosions of the Covenant invasion beginning on Reach. And we see Master Chief and Corporal Perez uh, witnessing her family. Well, her home being uh, destroyed and her family obviously killed by plasma bombardment. Uh, we see Dr. Halsey and Soren, uh, because of power failure, are freed from their cell when security for the uh, Oni detention levels deactivates. They run into Cortana's containment room and witness McKee capturing Cortana's data crystal. Master Chief and Perez uh, run into Riz, Lewis, and his spouse Danilo on the way to their Fleetcom headquarters. Danilo is killed in the fighting, and Lewis sacrifices himself to take out a Covenant Wraith tank attacking the group. The remaining survivors manage to reach Fleetcom, where Vanek reveals their armor has been taken during Akerson's secret evacuation, and Kai is missing. Admiral Keyes informs Master Chief of High Command's intention to abandon Reach and the truth behind Cobalt Team's status is the, uh, at the Visegrad Relay. <clears throat> Keyes uh, leads Halsey and Soren to an evacuation shuttle where Perez is helping civilians board. The hangar comes under attack and Admiral Keyes sacrifices himself to allow the shuttle to escape. Silver Team is ambushed by Covenant forces. And McKee orders the leader. Now, this says it's Vargatanai. Don't know if that's who that was intended to be, but that's what this says. Uh, 
McKee orders him to spare wounded Master Chief's life. Bannock's impaled by a needler shard and dies, watching as one of the birds he had been feeding as a secret hoppy soars into the sky. Closing shot. That was crazy. You know, and I was saying um, last week, I was like, I'm ready for a bloodbath, and we got it. Mm-hmm. The second and I knew there that... was there was a little bit of gore, you know, we saw some people missing legs and limbs and blood and so there yeah. is a there is a sizable difference uh with what happened in this episode to the continuity of the games. Mhm. Uh I won't say too much cuz it is very spoilery to what I think is coming up in the show at least next season. Okay. Um that is not how Commander Keys dies. I've actually seen a headline. People are outraged over this character's death. And I was like, oh, I wonder Ridiculous. if it was Vanek. And they're like, they're like, Admiral Keys was wasted. And I'm like, okay, I'm not reading any further. <clears throat> yeah. Um, the way he dies in the games has a certain impact to everything. But you could literally do that again easily. With that, with a different character, introduce a new character, introduce, use a character that already exists. There's a couple characters I could think of that you could do the same thing with, and it'd still have the same impact. Um, Honestly, I thought his impact in this was good because, you know, I'm basing this on zero knowledge of the lore, and I'm basing it on his characterization, basing it on, um, you know, one, his strained estranged relationship with Halsey and their parents of the one girl who's not even been shown this season. Um, what's her name? Alicia, I believe. With who? It, uh, Keys and Halsey. The, the, the girl that keeps showing up with uh, Halsey and has her nose bleeding? Is that, is that who you're talking about? No, I'm talking about their daughter from the first season. Oh my god, Miranda. Fuck me. Okay, I know who you're talking about. Miranda, that was her name. Yeah. That's why I was asking her name. Like, yeah, like I, you remember names. <laughs> well, I remember Miranda because she's an important part to the Halo trilogy, but. Okay. Yeah, she's not been in this season at all. But, you know, one of the things when they come face to face, she's like, where's Miranda? And he's like, not here. Uh,. And, you know, he wants to get her to safety. And then before that, he makes the fucking rousing speech to all the Marines there. He's like, you see this guy right here? He may not be in his armor, but this is the Master Chief, you know, and inspired everybody. You know, he he did things, you know, he admits to Master Chief. He's like, I'm sorry, I was wrong. You were right. This is what's really going down. I've seen the evidence for myself. And can I count on you for this? You know, he made an impact. Wasn't the same impact as whatever the games had. But it's like we were talking earlier. This is an adaptation. It's okay to differ. I'll tell you this right now. in some ways, preferable to differ. So there are like seven characters in this show that don't exist in the games to begin with. Sure. Okay. So the girl that he was like... He put Perez. on that shit. Perez doesn't exist in the games. If she, if she does, she's just a random fucking Marine that you interact with. Um, nobody important. But she's going to be an important aspect to the show. Um, 
like uh the guy that um I can't remember his name, but he's the he's the Spartan that was like he became a pirate and then they captured him this season. Soren. Soren does not exist in this in the games at all. I think he is a character in one of the books. That's it. That's it. So the show is doing you know, it's doing its own continuity, it's doing its own story, and it's it's utilizing a lot of the lore from it's kind of like what they're doing with uh, Star Wars right now, where they're using things from the from the novels, from the legacy stuff, but nothing nothing that's directly it's from not that. it's not a one to one translation. No, and, and that's the thing about this show is it it shouldn't be a one to one translation. And the reason that it shouldn't be a one to one translation is because there's five fucking games that are the primary thing. And then like, bef- like right now there's like, well, how many books did I say? Cause I had it. Um, let me, let me pull that up because I, I sent you a thing. Yeah. You sent me a thing just basically on all the so, different sources of lore. Yeah. Here's so there's, there's halo one, two, three, three EDST reach four, four Spartan ops, which everyone goes like, what Spartan ops. It's this like multiplayer fucking story thing that they added into to Halo as like a Halo 4 as like a seasonal fucking thing. It sucks. It's a stupid idea. It's dumb. Anyway, moving on. Halo 5, Halo Infinite, Halo Wars, Halo Wars 2, Halo Spartan Assault, Halo Spartan Strike. Those are all the games of Halo. Then there's 36 fucking books, which I've read 14 of. There's 13 comics, which I've read 5 of. There's the live a- there's two live action shows called Halo 4, uh, Forward Unto Dawn, and Halo Nightfall. Um, and then there's uh, an animated show, which is called Halo Le- Le- Legends, which is an anthology of both canon and non-canon events. But everything else that I read prior to that is canon. That is, again, and I cannot stress this enough, too much content to make a direct adaptation of. Anyway, I'm done being angry at stupid fucking fanboys. <laughs> it, dude, it drives me fucking nuts. It's like... Halo has the spirit of the fucking games. It is a grounded, serious story about humans in the in 500 years in the future fighting an alien group of religious fucking zealots called the Covenant. That is the fucking story of Halo. There are extra things I'm not telling because they're spoilers, but that's Halo. This what is this show, Maya? What is this show about? That's about. It's about humans in the military trying to defend uh, humanity uh, against these crazy religious aliens. Thank you. Um, I I just, people fucking irritate the shit. And I've seen a lot more people come out like, the new season of Halo is way better than the first season. That's fine. You can have that opinion. I don't give a shit. But the people that are like, this new season of Halo is way more accurate to the games than the first season. I'm like, no, the fuck they're not. It's the same goddamn thing. The only difference is the Halo or Master Chief ain't having sex, which again was my biggest critique of the first fucking season. Okay, that's fucking. I'm, I'm, I'm cool. I'm cool. I'm chill. I'm cool. I'm chill. <laughs> anyway, my biggest joke Reminds, from this remind me of Walter from The Big Lebowski. Call me Mueller. <laughs> Call me Mueller. Drives me nuts. I will say I I have a. I, so that scene on the, I don't remember what it was called, the carrier uh, or whatever the fuck it was where Commander Keys kind of, you know, sacrificed himself. Um, yeah. So those enemies that popped up there are called jackals. 
And yeah. Uh, yeah. the second they popped up, I, I took a video and I was going to edit a video, but I've been so busy. I just didn't where I was like, Jackal, Jackal, it's a Jackal, 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 it's a Jackal. <laughs> but I was like, nah, I think only me will get that. Only me will find that funny. But uh, I'm really enjoying the show. I'm really, I, I can't wait to oh, see yeah. what they do with tomorrow's episode. I'm like, I'm really, really happy with they showed the brutality of Reach. Because that was something I really enjoyed about the the book, which is called Fall of Reach, and the game. So. Yeah, yeah. You know, you asked me, because I said it just finished Halo, and then you watched it, and you said, how did it make you feel? And I was like, I was entertained. But you were looking for a specific response. You know, it's just like, like yeah, what, what this episode conveyed, like it conveyed the absolute, the absolute level of horror and terror that the covenant fucking possesses and employs. Yeah. <clears throat> there is, I don't know that the, the show will ever do this. So I'll just tell you, because I, I don't think it's necessary to the story they're telling. But there is a, a certain hierarchy of um, aliens within the Covenant. So there's the Grunts, which are basically pawns. They're fucking cannon fodder. And the reason that they Yeah, which we saw in the first season. Yeah. I was going to say, the reason that they're cannon fodder, I should mention this, is because they are so... They, they um, reproduce so fucking quickly. So goddamn quickly. They... Um, uh, I think they grow to full, like to to full, um, like within a like within a couple months or something like that. They, they're fucking super quick, right? So basically, from birth to adulthood was less than a year, way less than a year. Uh, and um, and they 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 birth in like uh, big fucking pods or whatever. So there's like thirty of them. Then there's. Oh. Then there's the jackals, which the jackals are more in line with like dogs with how they breed and how, how quickly they grow, which is why like, and the reason that they're used as like snipers for the most part is because their vision is really good, but there's a lot of them that, you know, just have a shield and a, and a, and a plasma weapon. Um, and then there's the, the Singili or the, um, the elites as we call them. Uh, and those are the guys that are, you know, big, they go invisible, have the, have the energy sword, all that kind of stuff. And again, I don't know if the show will do this. I really kind of, I kind of hope they do, but it's not necessary if they don't. Um, the, uh, there are a different enemy. You saw them at the end of season one called the brute. They're big gorilla looking things Mm -hmm. with the fucking gravity hammer. Um, yeah, they were originally, the prophet's main like army, main people. They were the first, I think, to join the covenant. Um, and uh, I don't know how they breed. I don't like. I, they might have mentioned one of the books, but I fucking no clue. Um, well, when when one brute loves another brute. Okay, not what I meant. Like, oh. Sorry. <laughs> uh, my point is, is that they were like they were the the right hand man of the prophets, and then they fucked up big time prior to even meeting a human, to where the elites became in control. 
And uh, so that's why you're not seeing any brutes attack reach. It's just elites, jackals, grunts, and I feel like I'm missing an enemy. The hunters? I don't know. Have you seen a hunter in the show yet? I'm trying to remember. I don't think so. Because I know there was that big fight at the end of season one. And I'm trying to remember if there were any hunters in there. Yeah, but the brute was the big surprise from that. Yeah. So, but yeah, so that's, you know, that's your enemy. There's a lot of stuff that the, the, that you haven't seen from the Covenant yet that I'm leaving out, too. So there's that. But I will say what I, I really want the show, I'm hoping, because you kind of saw the Halo in season one a little bit. Yeah. But like... That was that was the big drawing point of the games was that the Halo was so big and you, you kind of had this sense of total freedom when hopping in when hopping on to the Halo in the first game. So, but uh, I really hope they dri- they're driving towards that um, faster. I should say because it seems like they are. I know that the writers of this season had talked about they wanted to be a bit closer to the games than. Uh, um, than the first season. Sorry, I should say original source material they wanted to be closer to. So we'll see. But anyway, um, what what rating would you give this episode? Oh, absolutely. A, it was fucking stellar. I didn't hear the rating. I just heard it was absolutely stellar. A. 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 I, was, I, think, yeah. I thought I might have been burping. I was like, I don't know what the fuck. I, I didn't hear shit. Um. Why am I gassy suddenly? Jesus Christ. I'm also going to give it an A. I think the stuff with uh, um, Soren and Halsey is a little was a little like, not shoehorned in, but it felt a little displaced to everything else. You know, just a little bit. Because they were like running around a facility. And I was like, okay. I think I told you this last time we reviewed, but also the character that... Um, is with the human that's with the covenant at the moment. Mm-hmm. She's not in the. She's she's a new character entirely too. So, okay, okay, yeah. But, um, well, why don't we go to another thing that I have extensive knowledge in that you're watching for the first time? Yeah, yeah, the live action Airbender, uh, Avatar: The Last Airbender on Netflix. Eight episodes dropped last Thursday. And I'll give a brief uh, premise. Uh, It's set in a war-torn world inspired by various Asian and indigenous cultures where certain people can bend one of the four classic elements, either water, earth, fire, or air. Aang has been chosen as uh, the Avatar, and he's the last living airbender. Uh, he's the bridge between the mortal and the spirit worlds and the only one capable of bending all four of the elements instead of just one. The Avatar maintains the balance of the world and nature to bring peace, and Aang is now faced with the responsibility of ending the ambitions of the militaristic Fire Nation to conquer the world. With his new companions, Katara and Sokka, Aang sets out to master the four elements while being pursued by Zuko, the exiled crown prince of the Fire Nation, who seeks to regain his honor by capturing him. That's, that's you know, that's all the I mean. best premise. <laughs> there's, a few, there's a few things the way you worded that that I was like, I wouldn't have said it like that, but that's fine. 
Well, I'm reading it. Right. So. I know. I know. I know. I know. Like, I wouldn't say militaristic Fire Nation. I would have said Imperial Fire Nation. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm like, whatever. It gets the point across. Uh, well, I want to know before I go on my spiel, I want to know what you thought of this story. I fucking loved it. <laughs> I fucking loved it. I, you know, I've heard people say for years that the original animation was fucking just phenomenal. Oh, yeah. And I've never taken an interest in it because, you know, I've just never made time for it. But, you know, when you when you, the trailer dropped for this and you were excited about it and said, we're watching this. And I watched the trailer. It's like, oh, that looks interesting. You know, and I got to watching it and I fucking loved it. It was great. And now I want to go and watch the animation, which I realize is, you know, what, three seasons? Yep. Ten episodes each season or something like that? Twenty episodes each. Oh, 20 20 episodes each. But it's the essentially... If you go to Netflix when watching it, just know that season two and season three have like part one, part two type episodes, and they have combined them into one long episode. Okay, so you'll see. Le- it looks like less episodes, but it's this. It's twenty episodes each season, each book, you should say. Okay, okay. So basically, the 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 way this opens up, uh, we see Aang. He's told by his teacher, uh, what's his name, Gyatso. Yep. Um, he's told by his teacher Gyatso that. He, you know, he is the next avatar. Like the avatar is a spirit that is um, basically when they pass away, they're reborn into the next tribe in the order. Like, I was like, it's less fire. It's less of a fire nation. Yeah. I was like, it's less, it's less of a water. Because it rotates. It rotates. It, it's yeah. uh, it's less of a spirit. Let me finish. That... <sighs> so, as I was going to say, you know, it's cyclical. Mm-hmm. One comes from the fire nation. One comes from the water nation, and you know, earth nation and air nation, and so on. And it just happens that the next avatar comes from the air nation. And Aang, the twelve-year-old who has been able to, huh? Air Nomads, not Nation. <laughs> Dude, I can. If you're going to correct everything I say, I can shut the fuck up. Just fucking with you, dude. I know, I know. I'm going to eat a banana while you while you while you tell what you liked about the show, and then I'll and then I'll do my show. I hope you choke on your banana. While you your banana. <laughs> Just Put yourself on mute so I don't hear the death gurgle. <laughs> So anyway, Greg being all fucking like, well, actually, <clears throat> so the air nomads, which is a nation <laughs> of fucking people that can bend the air. So far, so good. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. Oh god. Oh, having too much fun. Uh yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not really fighting or anything. We're laughing at this. This is funny. Uh Misty's over here about to choke and spit. She's laughing so hard trying to stifle it next to me at her workstation. 
It's funny. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Aang's told he's the Avatar. And he's like, no, no, I don't want to be the Avatar. I can't be the Avatar. He's like, I'm just me. And his teacher's like, you're also the youngest in the history of our tribe to ever master the abilities you know, of our teachings and, you know, Aang's all like, I can't handle this. And he hops on his flying sky bison and to clear his head, because, you know, he's like, I can't handle this. And while he's gone, he's caught in a storm. And during that storm, the fire nation invades the fucking uh, city and completely, decimates and wipes out all of the air nomads. Um, while this happens, uh, he, Aang and his sky bison, what was its name? Um, Appa. Appa, Appa, yes. Aang, Aang atop Appa, uh, they're flying over the ocean and they're trying to get back and a tidal wave pretty much capsizes them. And while he's underwater, his power manifests. Something happens. And the so, next thing you know, he's I, frozen in ice. Yeah, you can get to it in a minute. I just want to tell you what the fucking... It's called the Avatar State. That's all I was giving you. I was telling you what it's called. That's it. Okay. <laughs> so his power manifested into the Avatar State. And the next thing you know, he's encased in ice. And he thaws out. And that's when we meet Katara and Sokka and we find out a hundred years has passed and he is the last airbender. That's why he's called the last airbender because the fire nation completely eradicated them all. Yeah. Anyway, that's the setup that happens in like the first 10, 15 minutes of the fucking show. I mm, sort of. Uh, Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. Never mind. Because there's that weird, there's it's weird to me, but there's that shot in the very beginning of an Earthbender trying to get some information out of the Fire Nation. Yeah, he's trying to. There's a pair of Earthbenders, and they're running from Fire Nation soldiers, and one's carrying a scroll, and they got chocobos in this fucking show. <laughs> they straight up have chocobos. So the and the one's on his chocobo, and the other one realizes he's not going to make it. So he uses his powers to knock the scroll to the other one on the chocobo, and says, "Get this to their king." And yeah, uh, one of the one of the fun things for the show, the whole show for the cartoon, and the, the this show did it did it too when it named animals. But a lot of the animals are very uh, inspired by. Um, kind of the fun ones from like D and D or whatever, where it's just two animals mashed together. Mm -hmm. So like those chocobos uh, are probably that I don't remember. One of my favorites is uh, they have uh, like it's beaver bears or something like that. Um, Because later (laughs) there's a badger moles, badger moles. Yeah. There's things like, yeah. Um, Beaver bears. Thought you were a fucking lore expert on this. Yeah. I'm saying that I'm, I'm not talking about this season. Uh, oh <laughs> I was like, I was like the whole show, the whole thing. Um, they, they meet a, a king later who just has a pet bear, just a bear. And all the characters are like, not you know, just, just a bear. <laughs> like they're all surprised by it. So I think that's, that's a fun aspect to avatar that I wanted to share with you, Maya. 
Jeez. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. Anything else? Uh, I, just, I had I had to mute it for a second because Misty lost her shit at something I said. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, this show's very, very, very enjoyable, very well done. Um, love the casting. Uh, hell, a couple of fucking, a couple of the actors, several of the actors I was already familiar with. Uh, the kids, no, I wasn't familiar with any of them, but you know, uh, Uncle Iroh. His actor is Paul Sun Hyung Lee, uh, who ha- what 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 did uh, what do we recognize him from? I couldn't tell you. Do, do you uh, Ahsoka, the Mandalorian, the Book of Boba Fett, it's Captain Carson Teva. Is he? Yes, you didn't realize that. No. Wow, I'm bad at that shit. Jesus Christ. They're, I mean, the wow. fucking. I think maybe because I was so infatuated with the fact that he was playing um, Uncle Iroh so fucking well that I was just like, "That's Uncle Iroh, 100." Like I was, I was like, "This is dope." So I think I was just infatuated. Well, two of the other actors that I also recognized. One is the uh, actor that plays Fire Lord Ozai, Daniel Day Kim. You know, he played Jin from yeah. Lost. Yeah. And then Ken Lung, that plays Commander Zhao, he was Miles on Lost. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was like, oh, shit. Uh, and oh, well, Ken Lung was also in Star Wars The Force Awakens. Um, no, the cast is yeah. fucking awesome. The cast was great. The kids did a great job. You know, these are young actors. Like, I know Sokka's set to be 16, Katara's 14, and Aang is 12 in the story when the story starts. And it looks like they've got actors pretty close to their age. Let's see. Yeah, I was going to say, because Aang is supposed to be 10, Katara's like 13, and Sokka's like 15, 16, somewhere in there. Um, well, I was just reading it from what the entry was, but the actress that's playing Katara is 17, so she's a little older. I imagine they're all going to be a little older. Yeah. Let's see. The one playing Sokka is 20, and the kid playing Aang is 14. So they're all a couple years older than what they're actually portrayed as. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, I, I they're, they're, that is... I do have a mild complaint about the show. Mild. And I say mild just to the context of like, I kind of wish it was there. Cause to me, it's an important aspect to the show, to the cartoon, to that story. Um, it almost feels like they made this show to be way more adult than the cartoon. You know, you know the cartoon was on Nickelodeon and they wrote it with the context that um, they wrote it with the context that, that, not only are kids going to watch it, but also that um, they need to act their age, right? So one of the things that Aang does quite often in the sh- in the cartoon is he wants to just have fun. So when he meets Sokka, or you, you'll see this when you watch it. It's very early. It's like a second episode, I think. 
when he meets uh, uh, Sokka and uh, Katara for the first time and they go to the village, he knows where they are because he's gone around the world with his air bias and all that shit. And he wants to go um, penguin sliding, which is find penguins, grab them, and then slide down a fucking uh, 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 snow slide. That There's, sounds fascinating. Uh, when he I meets, do that. when he meets Boomy, right yeah. fucking now. When he meets Boomy for the first time and figures out that it is his friend from a hundred years ago, he just wants to play games. Whereas the show was like, he doesn't want to play games. He's like, I got, I can't skirt this responsibility. There's this problem. So that's the differences, right? Like that's the big, big difference for me is that Aang was less of a kid in the show than he is in the cartoon. Um, do like the story's pretty similar, pretty similar. There's again, when Qatar, like, and you, again, I want you to watch it, but I want to talk about the differences. Um, when, uh, Sokka and, uh, Katara go into the secret tunnels, um, that whole episode is different. That whole sequence is different in the show. Okay. Yeah. So there's okay. there's a lot of things there that you'll see that are different, and the show does have more of a. I'm kind of worried about you watching the show because I know how you are about like adding comedy to serious stories, and uh, yeah. Um, and there is a lot of silly in the cartoon. There's a lot of silly in the cartoon. Well, I'll keep that in mind because it is the source material, and it did come first. Um. I have to say, though, I really, I was kind of taken aback about how serious some of the fucking themes in this show were. I was like, wow. Well, that's the thing. Those themes are still in the cartoon. They're just, you know, matched with, because that's the thing. Season two, way more serious than season one, uh, because Aang is growing up. He's becoming more mature. You know, there's there's things like that. So um, as the series goes on, it becomes way more dark and serious there's still some comedy there's still some jokes but you know and and that's the thing it's not jokes per se in season one that that that's the difference it's not jokes it's just more of like a whimsy to the show because you are dealing you're dealing with a fucking 10 year old um a 10 year old that doesn't want to be the fucking avatar uh but there's also like an aspect of Sokka that i kind of wish they'd kept in the show. Um, they kind of did for this a little bit, but Sokka is way more misogynistic about Katara than the show. Like, like in the cartoons, way worse. And it's because, like, that's how he was raised. That's how he was trained. That's how he was taught. Kind of like how when they go to the Southern Water or the Northern Water Tribe, and that guy is like, mm-hmm. you can't fight, you can only heal. Like, yeah. at that point in the show, Sokka has Katara's back. Whereas in this, he just has her back in general. But there's that growth that the cartoon has. And this is this is why this is so weird to me. Now, this isn't a complaint per se. It's more of an observation that I found interesting. In terms of runtime between the live action and the cartoon, there's a 32-minute difference. That's it. They are almost the same fucking runtime. They're both over seven hours, and they tell damn near the same story. Just altered a little bit. 
And that's the thing that kills me. When you do an adaptation and you're going from TV show to movie or, or novel to movie, you're telling, you're, you're changing the medium and it's a shorter version. So you have to leave a bunch of shit out for the movie. I expect that. But when you're going from TV show to TV show, that's where some of the choices absolutely confuse me. Um, like at that point, why are you leaving things out? You know, and I, and that, and the only answer I can come up with is they wanted this story to be more adult. They wanted to capture more of an adult audience with the live action. But personally, I think the cartoon, the animated show is just as much for adults as it is for kids. So I'd love to hear your opinion next week. I think we're going to make that our discussion is I think next week, I want you to watch book one. You can watch book two and three if you choose to, but I want you to definitely watch. Just book make one. a comparison of the, make a comparison of the first season of each one then. Yeah, because like like I said, I watched this show back in 2006 when it aired. You've never seen it. You watched the live action before you're going to watch the cartoon, Rapid Succession, whereas my experience is different. I want that discussion. Okay. But I didn't want that I discussion. That. I didn't want that discussion before you would, you know, you and I had talked about talked about it without your knowledge of the of the source material. So Yeah, yeah. Um Yeah, I could do that. It's on Netflix. Yep, all three, all three books okay. on Netflix. Okay. Um, so the other thing I wanted to talk to you about is I found some of the lines of the delivery lines of actors to be really rough in the first few episodes. As the show progressed, it got better. And this is like primarily Aang and Katara. Because um, I'll be honest, Zuko and fucking Iroh were damn near perfect. Uh, I love those two, actually. You will love them like, more in the show than the other show. I, I love, I love Zuko. I was just like, I can see how he's conflicted, and I can see. And I, please don't say anything, uh-huh. in, in whether confirming or denying. But I see him becoming an ally. Um, uh, uh, but what? But yeah, the relationship between Zuko and Iroh. Yeah, is fascinating. The only thing that sucks a little bit with Iroh is that do you know the actor, the voice actor um, Mako? Uh, he did. He was an older man. He did a ton of fucking voices. Um, he was Uncle Iroh in the cartoon. Uh, he was also like, uh, did you watch any Samurai Jack? No, never did. Blah, 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 blah. He's a fantastic actor. He was like a father figure on set to a lot of the, you know, other actors playing these characters. And um, trying to remember a lot. I'm going to assume you said was. Sounds like he passed away. He passed away in the middle of film of recording season three. Oh no! And they had to bring in a different guy named Greg Baldwin who kills it. But you can definitely like you can hear the difference a little bit. Gotcha. So, but. Um, I'm trying to. So, did you know that George Takei voiced uh, Ko, the 
in the spirit world. Oh, the the uh, the face stealer. The face stealer. Yeah, I did yeah. not know that. That's funny. That was George Takei. Wow. Yeah, I didn't know that. Let's see. I'm looking at some of these other names. See if there was anybody who I could uh, recognize. Oh, I didn't realize that was Danny Pudi that played the side of the mechanist. Yes. I actually knew that he was playing the mechanist before the season came out because he, I think he uploaded a picture of him as the mechanist. Like Netflix was like, yeah, sure. Let everyone know you're on the show. <laughs> but yeah, I thought it was <clears throat> very well done. Uh, really thoroughly enjoyed it a lot. What rating would you and give it? I would give it an A plus all around. Okay. Now I, I'll admit with my rating, I'm probably letting nostalgia take over a little bit. I really try not to, but I do feel like a lot of the acting in the first half of the season was weak. Um, personally, I think that uh, um, to me there wasn't enough whimsy in the show. Um. I would have liked to see more. So because of that, I'm giving the show a B. But in no stretch of the imagination is it bad. If there's anybody who's a fan of the show that you're seeing online saying, the show's bad, it's really it's awful, blah, blah, blah. they're fucking out there talking out their ass. They don't know. Talking straight out their b-holes. And you know, that's that's where the dichotomy of my preference and your preference comes into play a lot. You prefer things to be more whimsical and fun. And I prefer things to be more serious and, you know, right. Darker in tone. And that's not saying either of us are wrong. It's just, we're going to view things differently for fuck's Uh, sake. But yeah. What's your favorite movie of all time, Maya? The crow. Uh Uh-huh. That should tell you, that should tell anyone everything they need to know about your taste. That, that's not a, that's not a, that's not a uh, well, I don't, I, don't, I don't have a direct favorite movie, but it's like, if I had to choose one, oh, Jesus. I mean, I'll, t- I'll tell you some of my favorite things. My favorite hero is Spider-Man. I fucking love the Ninja Turtles, which a lot of the Ninja Turtles stuff has a lot of whimsy in it. Um, there's a, you know, like that's, that's how I've been since I was a kid. My favorite cartoon of all time is Freakazoid. Followed closely by Animaniacs. I have always been a person of of whimsy, always. But uh, I'm really trying to find the name of that fucking bird that those two Earthbenders were riding on. It's killing me. It's a chocobo. <laughs> There's an actual name for it. I mean, some of the names of these animals are hilarious. Like. A tiger dillo, a snail sloth, a Komodo rhino, like shit like that. Aardvark sloth. Well, now I have to Google. I know. There's so many animals in this world. Like, it's a really well-built world. Badger frog. But, um, yeah, I mean, if you've never watched Avatar The Last Airbender. A Toric? Is it a Toric? Toric. Oh, wait. No, that's the Avatar movie. Ugh. It's fucking... Ugh. 
I don't care if you've watched like I've talked to people who've never watched the cartoon or watched that movie. And be like it's bad, and I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Imagine imagine loving the cartoon as much as I do and going to that fucking show. An ostrich horse. That huh. might, might be an ostrich horse. Yeah. That is just a large brown bird commonly used for transportation. Ostrich horse. It's a chocobo. Fuck it. It's um, hereby classifying it. Oh, that's fine. It's a chocobo. chocobo. Sure. I ain't, I ain't mad at it. I just knew it had a real name. And that's what it was like. I was like, what is it? You know what's fun is that there's um, there's two novels. I think there's two novels of uh, um, of uh, Master Kiyoshi when she was uh, uh, when she was being the Avatar. Oh, okay. Or Avatar Kiyoshi, I should say. There, there's, there's a whole there, there's stories of that. There's a whole fucking sequel show called The Legend of Korra, which is I fucking love personally, but other people are like Stephen Tamman's kind of lame. I'm like, oh my god, not every Avatar has to save the fucking world. Calm down. Now, wasn't wasn't Korra the Avatar of the water? Yes, that we actually saw him meet up with spiritually in the spirit world. No. Was that Korra? No. no, that wasn't Korra. No, 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 because she's oh, okay. she's born after Aang dies. She's the next Avatar. Oh. Yep, so she's not even alive yet in this show, or this, this timeline. Um, yeah, because like the rotation, if I'm not mistaken, is, for the sake of argument, it's... Air, water, earth, fire. Air, water, earth, fire. That's the rotation for the Avatar being born. Gotcha. Yeah. Which, that's the entire aspect of Legend of Korra, by the way, is that her her entire story has to do with the spirit realm. Okay. Like, Aang's not so much. Aang's, Aang has different, problem, different you know, fish to fry. Hmm. What I'd like them to do, I know that, like, so one of the cool things is that... Um, the the guys who created it, um, they were working on the show for Netflix, and they left for creative differences. I can tell you what those creative differences are. I kind of already did, but that's beside the point. Um, they uh, they went and made their own studio called Avatar Studios, and they're going to release more Avatar based content. The next thing they got coming out, which is going to come out next year, is a story of. Um, I'll just say a lot of the characters because it could be spoiler territory if I say the name of the characters. Um, Aang and company is what I'll say. Uh, could be spoilers. I don't know if it will, but I don't want to spoil a character that's coming up. So there's that. Um, uh, all of them in their like late 20s, early 30s. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so I'm very excited for that because again, by the time we watch Legend of Korra, Aang is gone. You know, he died like 15 years prior, whatever old Korra is, you know, because it's like, as soon as the avatar dies, it's like the spirit realm chooses, chooses a baby. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but, uh, yeah, I just, I fucking love this world so much. It's fascinating. I enjoy it. Yeah. And more will be expanded upon in the next season and whatnot. But I, I sincerely hope, Maya, that you really enjoy season one to the point you're like, I want to watch book two of book three. And then Legend of Korra. Because. We shall see. We shall see. 
Well, guys, we got to wrap it up. I got to get uh, got to get moving here and get some shit done. So um, next week, yeah. next week, guys, we got Halo season two, episode five, which is I still think a lot of <laughs> reach is going to be happening. Um, yeah, yeah, clearly. And we're going to be watching the new show that came to FX. It's streaming on Hulu, which is why I'm counting it as a streaming show called Shogun. It has insanely large rave reviews across the internet. Shit, IGN gave it a ten. Um, wow. Yeah. So I've been I've been looking forward to it for a while. Uh, the killer thing about it is it's a historical retelling of kind of like when it's like coming out of the Edo era. I think it's Edo era, but anyway, it's coming out of one of the eras of Japan into another era, and it's there's a lot of turmoil and drama, and it looks cool. Um, very dark show too. Like, I think FX is airing it at like 11 p.m. because there's dismemberment with samurai weapons. But um, episode one and two are currently on Hulu. Episode three comes out next Tuesday. Next Tuesday. So we'll be we will be reviewing the first so three before episodes. we record it. Yeah. Which it'll come out in the morning, so I'll have all day Tuesday to watch it. Um, but yeah, so we're gonna watch those. Uh, next week's discussion, you'll already know, is Maya having had watched the Last Airbender cartoon. I hate saying cartoon because it's more of just an animation to me. It's not a cartoon. Like cartoon is Looney Tunes, Tom and Jerry, shit like that. So, but anyway. Um, Guys, follow us on all social medias listed down below so you'll know when the new episodes are live. If you have a discussion topic you would like us to discuss, leave a comment, and we'll, we'll try to get to it on the show. Um, if you want to support us directly, check out our Teespring store. It has loads of cool merch, especially with some of spring coming around, somewhere around the corner. There's t-shirts and all sorts of stuff on there you can get. Um, and if you made it this far on the podcast, uh, use discount code AQU15 for 15% off at checkout. That's AQU15. Um, Maya, where can folks find you? You can find me on Facebook under my name, Maya Dawn Fisher. It's a public profile. So hit me up. We can talk about cool, nerdy things. Uh, as we mentioned earlier in the episode, tell me what Warhammer material is good to consume, you know, books to read, uh, what video games uh to play i i was looking uh on playstation plus and there's some great great looking free to play games that look right up my alley so there you go uh but yeah just don't be a fucking creep and we're good uh greg where can people find you hey you can follow me on all social medias under chub rock geek I haven't really been uploading anything. I've been busy with my family and whatnot or playing fucking stupid games on my Xbox. But, um, yeah, go ahead and follow me on those. You know, if you want to leave a comment, I'll talk to you. Um, but, yeah, that's it, guys. Again, Halo Season 2, Episode 5, Shogun, Episode 1, 2, and 3. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Take care, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>